Patrick, it's very nice to have you on the Manufacturing Leaders Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you uh, for having me. I'm feel honored uh, being here. Awesome. Um, I'm just filling in for my colleague Paul, Paul Capon, who normally does these. He's um, away this week training with the British Army Reserves, which is very important in, in more than one way. So I'm very happy to be here with you. Um, why don't you start off by telling us all about yourself and your journey to becoming a, a manufacturing leader? Okay, uh, so first of all, my name is uh, Patrick Wilders. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, first of all, I'm a father of two kids. I'm, uh, I'm married uh, with my wife, Mickey. Um, on a business, uh, on a business uh, purpose, I'm, uh, I'm working for a company named the Grass Valley Belden brand. We uh, work from glass to glass. We, uh, we deliver content in any way, shape, or form for the broadcast uh, industry. Um, I've been in this business uh, for 12 years now, doing various jobs in operations, dominantly, and, uh, and uh, service and support. Um, before uh, becoming an operations uh, manager in, in, in Grass Valley, I was working in a high-volume uh, high uh, business, so I came from a, a low-complex, high-volume business. Ending up now at Grass Valley in a very, very low volume, high tech and uh, business. So two different worlds. The one I grew up with was all about efficiencies. And the one uh, I'm uh, in currently is all about flexi flexibility and, uh, and uh, on-time delivery. That's awesome. So um, tell me a bit about your career and, and how you ended up uh, where you are. You're from the Netherlands originally, right? Yeah, uh, born in the Netherlands, uh, stayed there most of my life. Moved uh, two years ago, moved to uh, Montreal, Canada, uh, becoming the uh, the vice president of manufacturing for Grass Valley Belden brand. Um, but most of my life, I've uh, spent uh, in Breda. It's uh, the southern part of uh, of uh, the Netherlands, uh, where I uh, used to start in uh, in uh, plastic manufacturing. So we basically made uh, uh, cupcake uh, trays and trays for food, uh, cheese and, uh, and, and meat uh, for the grocery store, uh, doing millions uh, of trays uh, a day. Um, becoming uh, now uh, at Grass Valley, uh, where we make uh, everything that, uh, that you can imagine that you need uh, for, for live television, like uh, camera systems, switchers, routers, complete studios and uh, Outside broadcasting vans, we uh, we uh, manufacture now uh, these uh, products in uh, in uh, three different countries, and uh, headquartered in uh, in Montreal, uh, Canada. Awesome. So, what compelled you originally to go into manufacturing and also to, to move up in the ranks? Uh, I I grew up in manufacturing. So manufacturing is, is part of my being. I've done that since age fifteen. I'm now uh, forty two. Uh, did all my studies, but uh, uh, also to to uh, become something else in the business. But always uh, the manufacturing and and its people uh, draw me uh, into this uh, type of business. I like people. I like to work directly with uh, with them. Uh, I like uh, daily improvements, and uh, there's nothing better to be in that kind of an environment than uh, than in operations. Yeah, I, I agree. Very special people. So, what's um, how do you spend the first few hours of your working day? Uh that's uh, that's an odd question. Uh, so uh, I, w I wake up early. 
Um, that being said, I'm not the best in the morning, so I need my time. So before my family wakes up, I le at least I need an hour to drink my coffee and read my paper. Then I try not to open any emails, which is difficult in these days with the smartphones, uh, to avoid uh, getting distracted once I get in the office, because at first I want to bring my kids to school. So I spend uh, the morning getting them dressed and uh, feed them, bring them to school, and then as of 8 in the morning, I'm ready to go. Uh, I do my calls, uh, since we have factories in Europe and Asia, it's for me, it's uh, very, very uh, uh, early in the morning, it's uh, very easy to uh, follow up with these factories. And then arriving at the office, uh, typically at 9, uh, I first start to open my email. Uh, because I think that uh, once you open your email, you, uh, you've been uh, living the, the day before from all the escalations that pop up in, uh, in, that, uh, in those emails. So that's pretty much my morning standard. That's cool. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned the people. So what, what kind of, as a leader, what occupies your mind on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, Depends. Depends a bit on uh, where we are in the quarter, where we are in a month. It depends on uh, where we uh, sit in our uh, revenue. Are we uh, are we good? Are we over? Are we under? Uh, typically, at the end of the month and quarters, I spend a little bit more time looking in order intake and looking a little bit more into uh, how the factories are uh, outputting their daily uh, orders. I spend uh, quite some time uh, overseeing that. It's, uh, it's also a bit of my uh, control I want to have and I want to feel comfortable with my numbers. Uh, besides that, uh, most of the time is uh, following up on projects. Uh, so every factory has its own programs. Some are used for uh, improvement, some are used for, uh, uh, for a new product introduction, some are just uh, there for people uh, people improvement or people uh, improvement plans and I like to follow up on a lot of these uh, programs uh, myself so uh, the biggest chunk of my time is uh, is uh, following up on initiatives that we have started before yeah I think um, one of these one or two of these initiatives you actually submitted for our <coughs> manufacturing leaders awards later in the year um, is that correct yeah, it's it's true. It's uh, what we uh, what we discovered is uh, over the years now doing manufacturing, doing it in uh, all countries in the world, the low cost countries like Mexico, Thailand, uh, Hungary, uh, but also doing it in uh, the U.S., the Netherlands, Germany, and uh, and uh, Canada. I've learned that we uh, we can be pretty efficient and pretty competitive uh, if we adjust our uh, uh, manufacturing system. So the things we submitted in the manufacturing uh, leaders uh, uh, competition, if you may say it like that, is uh, we found a way where we, where we put flexibility to another, uh, to another level. So flexibility, it's not about uh, having people um, that you can uh, hire quickly and fire quickly me it's to have a fixed base of people no temps and to make sure that those people can do a couple of jobs at least everyone so whatever the fluctuation of the market is giving me per product i can flex those those people 
from production cell to production cell. So becoming the ideal contract manufacturer in-house, uh, I, uh, I learned that I at least can be 40% more efficient than, uh, than uh, uh, building in-house and doing it uh, uh, on a low-cost, uh, low-cost uh, contract. Yeah, that um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we, I mean, as a as a someone who runs a business, I definitely agree with you. Um, I know for a fact that my company is a lot more elastic, a lot more stable, and able to respond to changes in the market when I've got a fixed base of people that I can tap into whatever change happens. Um, so tell me about some of the major successes you've had in your career on a personal level, on a business <coughs> level. Uh, so personally. Um my biggest achievement is uh, me and my wife uh, built a school in Ethiopia in 2003. Oh. That school uh, now 800 people attend, 800 children from that region that never had uh, any uh, any chance for schooling. Uh, they uh, uh, they have a school now to up to grade six. So that's uh, by far my my, per my biggest personal uh, achievement. Um, from a business perspective, there are two ways. I successfully outsourced a lot of work to low-cost countries, saving a lot of cost. But I also very successfully insourced, meaning getting things back from uh, contract manufacturing into our own facilities. Uh, so both are pretty much success stories. And just uh, what the market and what the the, the, the customers are demanding and what part of uh, the, the cycle of manufacturing you're in. Uh, for one company, it can be beneficial to do it one way. And uh, for this company today, uh, we noticed that uh, getting it all back into, uh, into our own facilities uh, gives us a lot of cost savings, but also a lot of uh, quality and, and, uh, and uh, quality uh, increase and uh, flexibility. So both uh, were, I think, both were success stories on a different part of my, uh, my manufacturing journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me just comment on the, uh, the project that you and your wife did. That's, that's really impressive, I think, um, for uh, everyone who's listening right now is probably very, very impressed. So I guess um, congratulations. Certainly yep. one thing I didn't expect to hear when I went into this conversation. Um, tell me a little bit more about the insourcing and kind of if you can just share in a couple of sentences with, with people listening who run manufacturing operations, um, best practice in doing that or, or pitfalls to avoid <coughs> just the top, top level. Uh, very top level, it's, it's all about your people. You, I like people, so uh, you need to have a fixed base of people. I, I'm not a strong believer in, in, in temporary employees. So you should create the jobs and the jobs should be there permanent. Then you now, you can't fill in the max of your uh, number of jobs you need that you calculated, otherwise you always will be overstaffed. So the, the, the trick is to get your staff as flexible as possible. So person number A needs to do job number B, C, D and F. And uh, everyone has the same thing. And ideally, someone can do at least four or five jobs a day. So you can move those people around. Now, if you're able to do that, do that with all of your direct employees. You're so super, super flexible that you can, can run your business uh, with less people. So the people can be a little bit more expensive, but they're loyal. 
because you don't have time. They feel rewarded because uh, you give them uh, a job perspective, not boring, because it changes every day. It changes every two, three hours. That's the ideal. I'm not saying that all my factories are there, but we have a path where we try always try to get to that uh, uh, position where people are as flexible as possible doing um, multiple jobs per day. I think uh, that's the key for if you win source, you need to be flexible, otherwise you will lose it to the low cost uh, countries. I think that's very fair. Um, what key skills in manufacturing do you think are becoming more important, will be more important in the future? Uh, so uh, I think I, I said it already, it's flexibility. So we don't want specialists, of course we need specialists, but we need flexible specialists. So. Someone that is in testing shouldn't feel uh, that he's only he's good for testing. You should also do the assembly. If you can assemble, you can also pick and pack, right? So everyone should be able to do everything, uh, not on different products alone, but also on different uh, levels. Uh, no one should be good enough to do uh, the, the shipping. No one should be good enough to do the testing. Everything should be um, seen as one equal job. And we will reward our people in how many more jobs they can do. So not how good you are in one job. It's more important how many jobs you can do with a certain quality level. So for that, it's also important that you drive a lot of standard work in your uh, operations. So it's easier to train. We at the Grass Valley, we use a, a, a kind of an internal university where we, uh, have a, where we manage the skills matrix. Uh, where we uh, motivate people to uh, to be trained be trained on the job, and uh, so they can they, they can see their own path for the future in development. So flexibility, short. It's uh, I think that's it. The skill set uh, Western factories need. Okay, and where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement in in the factories that aren't quite there? Um, and how do you think the manufacturing operation can deliver these <coughs> these objectives? Yeah, so the objective, it's always the same every year over year. They want, everyone wants quicker. The quality, of course, needs to be uh, outstanding. Uh, cost needs to be lower. So if you don't adjust your cost every year, you need to be cheaper in operations every year, year over year, otherwise you will lose to competition. People are expect co cost to come down, and delivery times to go up. We can all thank Amazon uh, for that, but uh, even in our industry where we, we sell uh, switchers worth uh, a multiple 100,000 of dollars, uh, people expect quick delivery at the outstanding cost. So uh, that, there's the challenge. Do what you promise, on-time delivery against commit, but more do what they request, on-time delivery towards requested yeah. so uh, that's uh, where we're going um, so last question for this section of the interview it's quite contentious so what, what would you say is the biggest mistake that you almost made oh for uh, well, sure there are there are more but the biggest is only one um, was uh, about six years ago I think where I uh, in order to reduce cost on paper, I almost sold out my full operations to a vendor. 
So on paper, my, uh, my headcount went down to zero. Inventory went down to zero. But the indirect cost related to that over the years would have gone up. But at that time, it was less important because we were part of a, a financial structure that was based more on short-term uh, goals than long-term. So I almost tricked myself in uh, selling out my, uh, my, my one of my most beautiful factories I had at the time. Wow. So we were just, I, I, I came to senses. So it almost That's happened. That's good. That's very good. So now we're on to the quick fire round where I ask you a bunch of questions and you've got 30 seconds to answer each oh, one. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I briefed you on this just to, um, nope. just, yeah, just to keep things interesting. So um, first up is uh, on your journey to become a manufacturing leaders, what was the one thing you felt was holding you back? Uh, KPIs. So KPIs, people that drive everything through a KPI, not uh, uh, where the KPI is more important than the business. Right. There's um, probably a thousand manufacturing directors listening to this nodding in their heads right now. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh. I think it is... Um, um, if you want to get to the root cause of a problem, never ask a manager. Always go straight down to the floor. I like it. What what is your most influential book and why? Um, it's uh, lame, I think, because it's 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 uh, it's the goal by uh, Goldbrad, and it's lame because it's such a standard book about lean manufacturing. It's so right. it's not the most sophisticated uh, uh, book on uh, telling you uh, how to do things, but it was my first introduction into lean. And it's a long time ago, but it's stuck, and it was stuck in the back of my mind all the way up to now, age 42, where I still have uh, that book in the back of my mind. Okay. Um, share one interest, internet resource that you use to increase productivity or stay in tune with current events, like uh, LinkedIn, yeah. for example. So I, I, I use LinkedIn. If I'm looking for talented people, I'll use LinkedIn. Uh, I also use LinkedIn as a personal address book. Um, I don't use Facebook professionally, uh, so I would say link LinkedIn. Cool. Um, what is the one thing about manufacturing that you're most excited about today? Um, it's ba baby steps. So uh, one of the things we're, uh, we we're really good in uh, is uh, is driving our daily uh, manufacturing, uh, lean daily manufacturing um, on baby steps. We don't expect anyone to, to make major changes, but we, we expect everyone to do a very small change every day. So we do uh, lean daily stand-ups every, every day, 10 minutes for every employee globally on our manufacturing side. And that's their platform to give, give and share their ideas and it's up to management we're still we're there we're on the floor we're with them uh, to listen and to uh, to uh, to get them engaged uh, um, making baby steps so it's a uh, every day a small step uh, we'd rather have than one big step a month 
I like it. And what is your favorite quote and how do you put it into practice? Um, my favorite quote, it's uh, I'm not sure where it comes from. I think it's, I th almost think it's Toyota, but it's um, uh, having no problems is the biggest problem uh, you can have. So uh, what it means, if you don't have a problem, it means you didn't set a standard. If you didn't set a standard, you cannot measure yourself. You don't know where you're going. You don't know if you're improving, decreasing, or staying at par. So having no problems is the biggest problem uh, of all. Yeah, that um, rings true. You know, I, uh, I'm going to go in a few weeks to Kentucky to do the uh, our Lean Leadership Masterclass that I think you went on. Yeah. Earlier in the year with Mike, Mike Jose. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm heading out to Kentucky in a few weeks to do that again. Mike's a, a great guy, um, very good friend of mine as well. So, yeah, when you mentioned um, when you mentioned the stand-up meetings, that reminds me of some of the stuff that we saw on the on the site tours that we go to over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the concept is, of course, it's uh, it's we didn't invent that concept. Uh, we're using it and we're trying to uh, to make it better. Uh, but that it really works. Also, uh, having no problems. Uh, Mike uh, uh, Hosius, he was uh, he was very straightforward in that uh, uh, comment uh, from Theoda. Is uh, you have to set your standard. Oh, it's uh, it's very uh, it's it's a thing we use uh, every day. Yeah, very good. So, what advice would you give to new and aspiring manufacturing leaders? You don't know anything. Um, if you want to learn go down don't ask the manager so learn from the bottom way up and don't go from top down that's i think the the biggest lesson i can give okay and uh one one final question before we wrap it up what question should i have asked you that i didn't uh you didn't ask me about hobbies <laughs> i'm not sure if it's relevant tell me tell me about your hobbies <laughs> i'm passionate about playing soccer but that's because I'm European. Oh, cool. What, um, what team do you follow in, in the Netherlands, I'm guessing? So, no, in the Netherlands, it's uh, PSV. Oh, okay. it's uh, from the southern part. Uh, it's because uh, we uh, grew up there. Uh, to me, I play soccer uh, whenever I can, but it's in a, it's in, it's in a team. Uh, it's in a league. Uh, we call it the 35+. plus. Right. Oh, it's an old man's league. <laughs> Patrick, it was a genuine pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for doing this. Um, for everyone who's listening, Patrick and his company are nominated for, have submitted a nomination for our Manufacturing Leaders Awards later in the year. Um, so hopefully we look forward to seeing you there. We're just in the process of evaluating all the nominations. Um, Patrick, thank you. Thank you and uh, have a great day.